0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicle's podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today, shortstop Marcus Simeon stops by to talk about being part of a winning team for the first time in his four years with Oakland. Then first baseman Matt Olson discusses what he's working on at the plate and the team's outlook in September. Finally, John Shea and I break down the Yankees series and how the A's see the division title versus the wild card. All next on Ace Plus. Are you feeling overwhelmed by technology?
1: Do you suffer from a nagging fear of missing out? Join Chronicle Managing Editor Fernando Diaz as he talks to a panel of industry experts about the effects of technology on privacy and ways you can protect yourself. It's Chronicle Chats at Herbst Theater on September 17th. You can purchase
0: tickets at sfchronicle.com slash chats. Joining us today on Ace Plus is a shortstop Marcus Simeon, who of course is local and played at Cal. Uh, Marcus, what's this year been like for you after being here for three last place seasons?
2: It's been a lot of fun, you know. Um, we brought we brought some talent up last year that really has uh, been the reason that we're winning this year. I think the, the consistency in our lineup, being able to play guys every day as opposed to um, you know a lot of platooning I think has helped too. We still do it, but not as much. I mean, we've got Piscotti playing every day. We've got the two mats on the corners, and then our middle guys uh, playing every day pretty much. So we're able to get in a rhythm and um, – been working well
0: what's the vibe been like around the clubhouse around the ballpark with with as well as you guys have been doing and uh, a little bit unexpectedly i think for some fans
2: vibe's been good winning winning cures a lot of things but we you know even if we weren't winning as much i think we'd all still get along the same but playing good baseball so we're winning uh, we're, we're pitching the ball well and front office made some good moves just to with all the injuries in spring everybody was kind of down about that but that didn't stop them from finding some good arms for us and obviously Trevino stepped up and bringing the new bullpen guys in has been huge.
0: What have you thought about um, some of the starting pitchers that have come in particularly since you guys essentially have lost an entire rotation over the course of the season and more?
2: Yeah I mean Ajax, um he didn't give up many hits you know he's he grinds through a lot of games, you know, he he knows how to pitch. Sometimes you gotta you have to throw more off speed and hitters count and you know, I've faced him in the past and it's been frustrating against him because he'll throw you that a cutter or slider when you think a fastball's coming. Um, and then Cahill's been great, he's got really good stuff. Fires is, you know, another guy who's a frustrating at bat because he's got a he's got good life on his fastball, even though it may say 90, it plays like 95. Um, and Brett did great, he's just got to get, get healthy. And um, you know, we got to get Minaya healthy too, but everybody's been doing well. Um,
0: a lot of people, of course, look at the bullpen for one of the reasons you guys are doing so well. But another reason, uh, an area that is really much improved from last year is the defense. What have you thought of you guys overall?
2: Yeah, we've been solid. We're, we're more athletic in the infield. Um, Taking away a lot of hits, you know. Sometimes errors come with that. You know, we're gonna make errors. Everybody makes errors, but we're we're being aggressive, making them. Um, you know, Olson's been great over there for all of us, just with his length, and his athleticism, and his glove work. He's he can do it all over there, and he's um, you know he's helped me especially. I'm able to just you know let the ball go over there and trust that he's gonna reach it or um, you know pick it out of the dirt.
0: What's it like playing next to Chapman?
2: It's fun. I mean, we uh, we take pride in not letting balls get through our hole, through the six hole. Just uh, I'm able to play up the middle more because he can get to more balls um, in that hole, but he also takes everything away down the line. So he's he's taking bunts away. He's taking these pop ups away here in the you know near the bullpen. So he, he's getting to everything.
0: Do you ever start kind of moving toward a ball and, and then see that he's basically already there?
2: Yeah I mean I'm just I'm ready if he doesn't get it I mean uh, still go to the ball the same way but I do get surprised at some <laughs> balls he gets to uh, he's got a great arm too so he gets right up and fires it over there.
0: Uh, you guys obviously like everybody now playing a ton of shifts uh, how much of a challenge is that for shortstop in particular because a lot of times you're moving to the other side of second base you're you're kind of all over the place now.
2: Yeah, it's alright. I mean, we've been pretty successful with it this year. I know uh, last night Hicks hit a ball to where the shortstop would be, but that hasn't happened very often this year. So, um, Maddie gives us the, the power to override it as well. So, uh, anytime we feel or we see something different out there on the field, as opposed to what they see in the dugout, we're able to override it. Uh, but Been doing a lot of running around back and forth, but if it can take away some hits, then we'll do it.
0: Is there any particular shift alignment that you feel like is a little trickier or tougher for you than most?
2: Um, I don't know. I've I've been pretty used to playing out there in shallow right now. I know Jed played out there in the past, but we tried me out there early this season, and it's been pretty successful with it. There's been a couple tough plays off the grass, but, um, definitely gotten used to it now. I think the pull shift on the left side of the infield for right-handed hitters is a little different too with Chapman's range. You know, we don't want to overlap, so uh, just making sure we communicate on balls that are in front of us is the main key there, but we're taking away a lot of hits, so that's the key.
0: Uh, now, when the defensive index rankings came out, you were in the top ten. I know you over the your last three years, particularly your first year or two you you took a you know some flack for your defense to find yourself in the top ten. what how rewarding was that for you to to see that?
2: yeah, it's cool. I mean it's uh, I don't know much about those rankings i'm I'm pretty old school just with um, if you make all the plays you should make, hopefully you're doing something right uh, with those but uh, feel great throwing the ball and I'm getting to more balls. I'm just working on my my pre-pitch setup Just so that I can get a better read and use my athleticism instead of being a little bit late to some balls
0: Yeah, I think you're leading all major league shortstops and in, in chances. Does that tell you anything in particular?
2: Well, I think our pitchers get a lot of ground balls too. I mean, I know that the The strikeout numbers may not be as high as they want, but the ground ball numbers are there. So we've got good athletes out there to get those ground balls.
0: Uh, Overall, how how big a stride would you say you've made here defensively over the last few years?
2: Yeah, I mean, confidence-wise, definitely a big big jump. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of experience and – just working through some things the first couple of years to get to where you want to be. You know, I still feel like I can get a lot better. Um, you know, errors are errors. Like I said, are going to happen, but I'm reacting to them better than I ever have before. Just uh, being ready for the next ball right away after an error.
0: How would you describe your year offensively? I know consistency is something that you've kind of wanted more of, like everybody. Um, and it seems like, particularly here, maybe since the All Break All-Star break, you've been pretty consistent
2: feel good. I mean, um, getting a lot of at bats. Uh, I'm just happy to be healthy. Last year got my season cut in half, so just being able to be out there every day and face all these pitchers and um, get in the groove has been great. You know, you're gonna go through slumps, but that's why you work in the cage to get out of them as quick as you can. Um, and when you play every day, you're gonna have a couple games where you don't get a hit whether it's bad luck or just bad decision, bad uh, you know, pitch selection, or it's a bad swing that day. So just knowing that that stuff's gonna happen is, is really important.
0: What's it been like uh, oftentimes hitting ahead of Jed in lineup and also playing next to him this year with the season he's been having?
2: Yeah, Jed's been on fire. I mean, he's, you know, I think his average could be a lot better if he didn't line out as much as he did, but he's always been able to put the barrel on the ball. His power has shown up this year, which I'm um, really happy for him. Especially with you know him being a free agent at the end of the year, he's definitely making a case to be a starting second baseman somewhere. Hopefully here, but um, you know I'm happy for him. He's, he's healthy. He's you know he's looked good when he's healthy. He produces, and that's what he's been working on.
0: How do you feel like you guys set up here for this last sort of three three and a half weeks?
2: Well, we, we're we're playing some tough teams these last couple of series, and we've done all right. But we know that we're better than uh, how we've been playing this week. Uh, we definitely want to win the series today and just play, play well against Texas like we have been. And then um, just finish strong. We, people have been worried about our starting pitching, but I think it's the offense that's going to carry us, uh, the offense and the bullpen especially. So... Just got to get those things tightened up.
0: Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us. Marcus Simeon.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Today on Ace Plus, we welcome in Ace first baseman Matt Olson. Matt, you guys are obviously in a very interesting situation here in the final month of the season, right in the thick of the pennant race. Uh, What's this like for you in your first full season with the Ace to be going through something like this?
3: It's awesome. Um, Anytime you can contend and play the way that we have been playing, Um, it's obviously fun to be around at the field every day and playing winning baseball. Um, For it to be the the first full year for me just adds on to it.
0: You've come from a system where the the core group has had success at every level. Uh, I'm assuming none of this is a surprise for you, but at what point this season did you realize you guys might Kind of have a special team this year maybe a little bit ahead of schedule of what kind of everyone figured outside the organization
3: i think it kind of started last year honestly um last couple months especially the last month we were playing really well um obviously there were you know a few holes here and there and and um you know we knew that there everything wasn't sured up but um as it things started on playing this year this off season. When we got to spring, we realized, you know, that we had a talented group and, um, you know, just didn't come out to the best start, but, you know, it wasn't terrible. And then, you know, we just caught fire there and added some more pieces. And, uh, you know, it, it became, became a thing.
0: Uh, The stretch that you guys started on June 16th obviously has been remarkable best record in baseball since then Has there been any sort of one key or a couple of keys as far as you're concerned with the way you've been playing since that point?
3: No, I don't think so. Um, I think that we have at any point any game any guy can can be the guy that wins the game for us Um, I think everybody's started to realize it and uh, you know, we're not counting on one guy to go out there and and knock in three or four runs a game um, in order to win. You know, there's games we go out, we score 10, 15 runs. There's games that we score two, and our pitching holds it down. Um, you know, we've just been an overall team playing. Complete baseball games, and, and that's why we've been successful.
0: Seems like you guys have this real sense that um, you know you can always come back in a game. You score a lot of late runs. There've been a lot of comeback wins. Um, is that sort of the sense that you know you're in every game? How did that develop?
3: Yeah, I, it definitely is that feeling. Um, I don't know exactly when it developed. Uh, you know, I remember specifically coming back in Houston against Giles and. Um, maybe run down after, I forget who they brought in after. But, uh, you know, we kind of felt it before, but to to do that in Houston against a solid division rival, um, you know, that just kind of took it to the next level. And and we know that we are very capable of having big innings. So, um, you know, if we're ever down four, five, six, seven runs, you know, we don't get too beat up about it and uh, just try to chip away, see if we can get a big inning and get back in it
0: you guys obviously have had a a number of starting pitching injuries this year started starting even before the season um during spring training with losing cotton and puck um what are your thoughts on the way everybody that's kind of come in since then has performed and and been able to keep you guys in contention
3: it's been unbelievable um especially the guys that have been going up and down and you know i think sometimes it goes unnoticed it's not an easy thing by any means to be traveling back and forth, uh, not knowing if you're going to be pitching for Nashville or Oakland your next start. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy physically and it's, it's even harder mentally. So for those guys to stay prepared and obviously the guys that we brought in, uh, Brett and Trev and those guys, they've been pitching unbelievably and uh, just a whole group effort.
0: I'm not surprised that you have like sympathy for the guys that go up and down because you were once the guy who was like sort of the primary yo-yo so you mean sort of like the chris Bassett's yeah. of the world
3: yeah <laughs> you know it, as a fan you know I, I don't blame but you just think when the guys are there that you know they're there and and you expect them to perform but um you know it's it's hard on you when when you're being shipped back and forth uh you don't think about the five, the four hour and a half-hour flight back to Nashville. Uh, you don't think about the jet lag. You don't think about you know coming up and immediately expecting a performance in a big league level. Um, you know, there's just behind-the-scenes things that. Uh, go into all of it so for those guys to perform the way they have is impressive
0: yeah and I, especially Bassett seemed for whatever reason it seems like he always has a flight canceled somewhere so he's <laughs> always having to like go through some weird connection right. a <laughs> poor guy I'm sure you had your your share of those too now what how what's your impression of your own season how would you describe your own season I know that one thing that you wanted was sort of more consistency and that's been a sort of a, a back and forth thing for you
3: yeah um, for me personally this year has been Definitely, definitely a grind. Um, there hasn't been there hasn't been a time, maybe like, you know, a week stretch where I just felt like my swing has been perfect. Um, you know, I, I generally have more of up and downs than the than the next player, um, but that's just kind of how I've always been. For some reason, you know, when I'm hot, I'm hot, and when I'm cold, I'm cold. And uh, you know, I'm trying to obviously level that out, but haven't really haven't really felt that super hot at any point this year Um, but you know same sentence to to step back and be where I am now first full season hitting 240 with a decent amount of home runs obviously would like to have a little more RBIs and you know it's it's not too bad I always want better uh, a little bit of a perfectionist as far as that goes but uh, sometimes kind of got to take a step back and look at the bigger picture
0: is there anything in particular you work on when you're trying to like say get into a groove or find a little bit more of a good rhythm
3: well yeah I, I mean there's no one specific thing um, but in order to get to that spot you know it, there's parts of the swing where I can tell that like that's not right um, you know, I go back to the video of last year a lot because of how I felt, uh, you know, last year was just so effortless for me. Uh, felt like I was doing nothing at the plate, and obviously that's not that's not the case for majority of this year, and you know that's not the case most of the time. Um, you know, it's not it's, an easy it's, game. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a tough game, but you know the goal is is to get to that point. And, uh, you know, I've just been tinkering with things, trying to play around, get that feeling back and see, you know, what mindset of, of what I'm doing in my work at the plate gets me back to that spot.
0: How much of it is what you're doing and how much of it is what other teams are doing to you? Do you, do you identify patterns of the way you're getting pitched? Is that, uh, obviously your setup is a little unusual. Does that leave you? Either uh, prone to getting pitched a certain way, or teams handling you in a certain manner.
3: Yeah, I I think. I mean, everybody gets pitched a certain way. Um, I think the majority of my struggles this year have been me. Uh, I've missed a lot of of pitches over the plate and expanded the zone a little more than I generally do. Um, You know, and that's just that's a product of, of not feeling great for the whole year and and you know trying to make something happen trying to um, you know do something instead of letting it come to me and you know it's just natural obviously when you're struggling you want to get out of it you want to go get that hit to, to you know get you on a roll but um, sometimes it, it works in the opposite direction and it wor- it works against you and I feel like that's that's what I've been doing. For a lot of the year, and uh, you know, finally pulling the reins back a little bit, at mixing in a few more walks. Uh you know, shrinking the zone a little bit and, and getting back to what I do.
0: The one thing that I think has surprised some people this year has been your defense, which is, I know you've always taken a lot of pride in it, and I think you've probably been underrated as a defender, but I think people are starting to notice this year. Is it, do, you, do you kind of find that that people are talking to you a little bit more of, about your defense and noticing it a little bit more?
3: Yeah, I get a few more uh, questions about it. Um, like you said, it's something that I've always had pride in. Uh, I think first base winner kind of viewed like, the offensive line of football sometimes where you know you only you only realize them when they give up a sack or uh you know if you only realize if if i don't pick a ball or, or something like that so that's that's outside you know the game um i think infielders and and everybody else in here appreciates um you know my abilities over there and you know i just I love to be able to, to help guys out. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, obviously, you know, making the plays at first when it's hit to me is big, but uh, it's honestly, first base isn't that tough as far as ground balls. when you just got to basically knock it down and, and get to the bag. But when I really, I really like getting the chance to, to pick a ball or, um, you know, save those guys from an error, save our pitchers from extra pitches.
0: What's it like playing in an infield with such good defenders, but particularly Chapman, who's, I mean, you've you've come all the way up through him through all the levels and you've seen him, but he is really just spectacular.
3: Yeah, I've run out of words to say about him, (laughs) honestly. Um, You know, he's incredible. His his lateral movement for a third baseman is like nobody else. Um, Obviously, you see the arm. He just, he makes plays that aren't normal. And uh, he's he's definitely a big part of, of the winning that we've had.
0: Do you just kind of feel when you, when the ball's hit to the left side that you just have to be ready for anything with him over there?
3: Yeah. First started playing with him, you know, see a ball scorched in the hole. He maybe wasn't getting over to the bag as quickly because <laughs> thought it was going to be a hit. And, you know, he he dives and gets up, and it's coming at me 98 miles an hour. So uh, I've learned to to not give up on anything on that left side or and uh you know just get to the bag
0: that's a good idea now how do you look at the stretch run obviously you guys have a a little more than three weeks left um and, and what do you sort of envision with this stretch run for you guys you've got through this very long stretch um, you know, you've got this, this Yankee series here, and you finally have a day off. And then the schedule, you know, it's still major league teams. It's not necessarily lighter, but it's you're not playing teams that are in contention um, the way you had been constantly for about the last three weeks.
3: Yeah, this has been a tough stretch. Um, not only 20 straight physically, but you're playing mentally exhausting games. Uh, Seattle, Houston, and these guys all back-to-back-to-back to back to back is um, – definitely a grind you know we're going to approach the last three weeks after this the same way uh you know, take care of business when we when we should and uh see what unfolds
0: sounds good thanks so much for joining us matt wilson thanks Susan. it's time for the shea plus segment of the podcast john shea the chronicle's wonderful national baseball writer joins us john you got to see uh, some of the a's series against the yankees obviously a big one potential playoff preview in fact probably likely uh playoff preview since right now that they would be the two teams pretty firmly in the wild card game well, what were your impressions of the of the series overall hey wait a minute aren't they going for the division here <laughs> they are, are you saying they the can't division. catch houston they are
1: <laughs> actually i have a big story coming out uh friday's paper in the chronicle that uh has quotes throughout the clubhouse and comments on that exact topic that the uh you know what, what are they just happy to be here in the postseason is it uh division or bust and uh anyway so yeah, the the story of the yankee series is the a's won two out of three and uh gained a little bit of ground i mean the 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 loss was the bullpenning game and uh That worked out fine, but the uh, the hitting, two hits, and the back end relief uh, was not good. And those are the two areas that usually are really good. They often carry the day. But winning two out of three was a huge statement. Um, I mean, what what, three and a half game separation with 21 to play, and you know maybe next time the AC, the Yankees, if they do in that wild card, whether it's in the Bronx or at the Coliseum. You know, you might see you might see Judge. You'll for sure see Gregarius back in the in the fold, and yeah. And, and yeah. So you you'll have uh, you'll have uh, the Yankees more at full strength. And I guess the 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 big issue is who would pitch. That's all. That's always the uh, the, the the talker coming. You know, it's a one and done. It's a uh, if if you lose, you go home. And you know, by all uh, uh, you know, all all arrows point to to, to fires for for Oakland the way he's been pitching, including in the the Capper Wednesday, but uh, I thought it was you know maybe Severino who, who who would pitch for the Yankees, but he's he's not pitching like a number one, so that's that's uh, something to watch. But you know for now, I think the A's it's all about the division.
0: Yeah, what well, what were the responses? You you have me intrigued now since I have not yet read your story. What well, I'm guessing most guys would say, yeah, sure we got we've got to go for the division. Yeah, you're right.
1: And a couple of people, uh, even higher than that, a couple of people talking World Series. And th- this is not a, th- those two words are were, were not part of the question. Uh, do you guys think you can win the World Series? I mean, those words were uttered by a couple of players uh, on a voluntary basis. Let me guess, they Jonathan McRoy? <laughs> yes. Yes. How did you know?
0: He is he is Mr. Bold statement, which I love. Of course, reporters mm-hmm. love that. It's genuine too. It's not he's not, you know, t- t- saying something just because he thinks that's what people want want him to say or anything like that. He he really believes this. He's he's been kind of right on the money all along. You know he he's played played for some uh, good teams before, and he identified that the A's had some promise. I think before a lot of other people did uh, during the, the even the spring right after joining them.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to we'll have to read it to find out the other person. But in the meantime, <laughs>
0: uh, the,
1: the, only three people in the everyday lineup have even been to the postseason, and that's Lucroy, and that's Lowry, and that's Biscotti. and that's it. It's amazing. Uh, Joyce off the bench, but otherwise nobody else who's a position player on that entire September roster has played one game in the postseason. A bunch of pitchers, yeah, mostly guys that they've acquired since spring training. Uh, you know, all these new guys have been, have been there and done that. But, but you look at the everyday lineup, you know, the, the two corners, the shortstop, uh, you know, everyone in the outfield except the right fielder. It, they're, they're all new to this. Not only haven't they been to the postseason, but September baseball, meaningful games, that, that's all new. Uh, yeah,
0: and you know Marcus Simeon so is a even a, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus was a was a, is an earlier guest on this podcast where we are coming after Marcus as, as well we should, uh, but he's played for three straight last place teams in a row, and it, it's guys like that who've been with the team the last three years, uh, and really, you know, when when the struggles were were pretty bad, who are just enjoying this so much so that's kind of fun fun to see and i you know i think they feel like hey we got nothing to lose here the team's ahead of schedule and we're having fun let's let's go for it you know the pressure i think they feel like there's not a lot of pressure on them coming from where they have
1: and the moment isn't too big for them as they say some some people tend to crumble when The pressure is there and the pressure is there because they haven't clinched anything yet and suddenly they're in the mix as the favorite for one of the two wild cards and they're upping it up a notch to 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 consider the division and obviously you don't have to play the wild card or one one and done game if you win the division you get to play the best of five and you can exhale because you can lose that first game and still advance but it's, it's interesting to see, especially with, with guys like Chapman and Olsen. Uh, yeah, Marcus has been around, and it'll be a great story for him if they get to the playoffs and, and get through a round or two or who knows what. But it, the, the, as far as the corners, I mean, Chapman is playing his best baseball since the break. It's not like, uh, you know, he did well in May, June, July, and now is just kind of, folding under the pressure I mean he loves this stuff and I think he's just uh, it, it, it's you know it, it's not just talk it's what he's doing on the field as a as a leader and you know hey get on my back I'll carry you guys and offensively and defensively there have been a couple of hiccups defensively but he, he covers so much ground has such a good arm that he, he if he makes a mistake he'll make up for it yeah. and in that game what was it, the, the Tuesday game he made an error, and the next guy hits into a double play. So it's a matter of a teammate picking up another guy, and that happened a couple times that game. The very next batter hitting into a double play, and and it, it seems it seems like a genuine team. You know, guys caring for each other, and guys picking up each other, and and it, it's it's sort of an odd thing for a team that was picked almost universally to be out of the playoffs to have a losing record, and in some case, finish uh, last a fourth straight year.
0: Yeah, Chapman is really, he, to me, the amazing thing is he keeps improving all the time. And he's really, a, a lot of people who have been around for a long time, the game for a long time, are saying he's one of the best third basemen defensively they've ever seen. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, the A's best defensive third baseman, and they've had some good ones, uh, of course, over the years, even recently. But uh, I think we're going to start talking about him in terms of one of the best. All around players in the game, not just the A's best player, which I, I clearly think he is. I mean, we could talk about a bunch of different guys as the A's potential MVP, uh, and there are several who are deserving. But he's got the most talent on the team. He is off the charts. Uh, you know, when you look at some of the numbers, we could be talking about him as, as uh, Bob Melvin said on the podcast last week, like like kind of a Mike Trout kind of player. He's got that that sort of ability
1: and you know i grew up watching schmidt and and, uh, and robinson from you know brooks robinson from the Orioles, and 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 then over the years here comes ken Kamenetti who, who, who and i thought i'd never seen a better arm than ken Kamenetti's uh who won an mvp with with the with the padres he was you know out of san jose just you know an over the top throw that just a rifle it had no downward trajectory it seemed it just there in a second an instant and and I think this guy's better because he has more range than Caminiti and I think he has a better arm than Arenado and and more range than anybody I've ever seen play third base so uh, I mean yes Chavez won the gold glove six times so I don't know if I can say he's better than him because this guy has not won one but the way he's playing right now uh Eric Chavez never never played that way He, he never had that arm uh Remember, Chavez didn't throw over the top he kind of threw from the side. that's a long throw but for for Chapman, it's not um you know he, he can throw from twenty feet uh, in foul territory and, and it, it's it's still on a line so yeah that's defense but offense it's the way he's hitting since the break uh he's he's a middle of the order guy three four five guy. Uh, unless they hit him second, which which uh, the top players tend to to be at these days, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch to see if he maybe increases his worth on the MVP ballot in September. That's really uh, when that award is won. Oftentimes, obviously, Boston has two guys and they might finish one two, but there are ten men on the ballot, so it'll be interesting to see where these A's place.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a vote, and I'm certainly going to have Chapman in there somewhere. Uh, and I'll probably have Davis in there somewhere. Uh, but uh, Chapman, for me, is 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 probably the guy. But, you know, Jed Lowry, you can make a case for Jed Lowry as the A's MVP. Certainly Blake Trinan, my goodness. Uh, I hope he gets a little bit of Cy Young consideration for the remarkable season he's had. So, uh, really, it's been th- those four have been the standouts. But to me, the, the fact that Chapman, the, the ceiling maybe go even higher uh, is just that's just extraordinary to me the two best players in the american league right now might be third baseman with him and alex bregman it's a, that's going to be fun to watch for a long time when chapman was winning i mean sorry when uh chavez was winning all those gold gloves he did not have the kind of competition at third base in the league hmm. that that matt chapman is going to have with alex bregman and i
1: speaking of mvp yeah trying is the main reason they're 50 and zero in games they led after seven innings and davis is mr 40 40 40 and and you said it all about chapman but my pick is lowry i mean lowry has done it from the very beginning and he he might have been a guy who made these young players believe that this is all possible uh lowry's not a great defensive player but i think he's playing his best defense that i've ever seen yes and it helps to have olsen at first just get it in the somewhere to him and he'll scoop it or jump for it or stretch for it and that's why simeon's playing his best defensive ball with the comfort of, uh, that he doesn't have to go too far in, in, into the hole because Chapman's going to pick up everything in the five, six hole. And you just get it near Olsen and he's, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to get the out for you. But Lowry is, is, um, I mean, he's, he was the all-star. He was the guy who, uh, as was trying but, but Lowry, the, the everyday player and the A's, as we know, have not had many everyday players become, you know, all-stars over the past, uh, you know, half decade or decade, except for that fourteen team when the whole roster made it. But uh, I, I, I would, I would go with Lowry. I mean, he, I, he might not even show up uh, among the top ten in in MVP voting, but I think he'd be my guy because uh, he meant so much to this team on and off the field.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. The, the young players take after him. We've we've talked about this before. I think I've said all year. This is a team of Jed Lowry's. It's Jed Lowry's team. He's put his ta- stamp on it. <laughs> you know, very professional, great at bats. The the younger guys really follow him. They they pay attention to his routine. They they kind of emulate him, and that that's not a bad thing at all. It's great. Very methodical. Maybe not the most colorful. Uh, necessarily guy in the world but uh, he's going to give it his all and he's going to to just be the ultimate professional and I I really do I think that that's a good thing nine Jed Lowry's you go back to the whole many ball nine Scott Hatterberg so if you got nine Jed Lowry's that's that's pretty good if that's the approach they're taking
1: and in the story that uh, is coming out or already came out Friday depending on when you hear this he was the one guy in the clubhouse he's so day-to-day Hour to hour, pitch by pitch, that he would not commit to. Yes, we're going for the (laughs) division. Everybody else I spoke with, yes, we're going for the division. That is so. Forget the wild card, and it's like, hey, you got to remember what got you here. You can't reach too far too quickly. You got to live, live for the day, live for the moment. And it's like I, you just I said, okay. And it, it's funny because he was the first guy I spoke with. I said, okay, well, maybe that's that's going to be. Uh, maybe he got to everybody, and, and <laughs> the next guy is going to say the same thing. Well, the next uh, six, seven, eight guys I spoke with all said, uh,
0: yeah, you got go yeah, to yeah, yeah, go for the division. Come on, Jed.
1: the division. But uh, <laughs> that's Jed. I mean, he said at the All-Star break when I spoke with him. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, both, at the All-Star game, when he had crowds around him and I got him one-on-one. It didn't matter. It it was all, these guys can't forget what got them there. And what got them there was working the old cliches, you know, do what you got to do today, give it your best effort per at-bat. You know, you can't look too far ahead. You can't say, we're going to pass the Astros, we're going to win the World Series. But, uh, you know, these, these are humans. They like to look ahead. They like to you know plan big and they like to think big and their goals are you know to to not just get to the wild card and that's what they talk about in the story
0: yeah he's he's as level headed as they come and you know i think people would look at him and say he's a future probably front office guy but to me i would love to see him manage because because of that hmm. quality he does never gets too high too low all those sort of things really a little you know in that way like bob melvin who is never going to go overboard with anything you know, he knows the realities of its a long season and all that that sort of stuff relates well to everybody. So uh, I, I could really see that. Now, John, we we have to talk about the I think the thing that's been the most controversial, if, if that's possible, with, with a good team, the the whole bullpenning. Uh, thing um, Bob Melvin has taken it to calling it the opener because it's pretty specific what the A's have been doing using Liam Hendricks much the way the Rays did with Sergio Romo just for an inning and then bringing in the sort of um, in in air quotes uh, s- starter uh, for the second inning and uh, I, I think that that's uh, a lot of fans don't like it and they there's there's concern that maybe. The guy who's the traditional starter that might throw him off. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I, I can understand the logic of having, you know, the uh, traditionally if a starter's going to get in trouble, it often is the first inning. You have somebody come in, blow away those top three hitters who are usually, the, you know, three of the best hitters in, on the other team. And then you start fresh with uh, the the next part of the order. I, I I can see it. It worked once. It did not work uh, the first time, but then Liam Hendricks stayed in for the second inning. This yes. the first time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a big fan yet. Uh, you know, I like how baseball games find their pace and rhythm naturally, and uh, and that has so much to do with the starting pitcher. I mean, both times Hendricks started or opened, um, he had quick first innings but there's no momentum because you know he's not going to last. There's uh he, he's going to be out soon. Uh if not after the first inning, then after the first or second or third batter in the second inning. He'll be out of there in a hurry and then you know you go into eight or nine pitchers later and 4 hours later the game is over. But there's uh it, it it's sort of forced. It's predetermined. Yeah. And you know the front office or the manager or whoever you want to say it, it puts together his entire bullpen before the first pitch, so there's no there's no process of feeling out the 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 the, the, uh, the opponent and and pitching um, you know to their weakness or strength. It's just okay. You got the third. You got the fourth. You got the fifth. And I mean, that said, the A's have little choice because they only have what three starters: uh, Fires, Jackson, Cahill. Who else am I missing? I mean, Anderson's coming back soon. Right. Um, with Manaya out, and I, I guess my big question is if you know you're doing this to prevent the starter from facing the lineup a third time around and as we all know those stats the third time around tend to favor the hitters much more than the first or second time around the lineup you've seen them. Uh, the starter is more, maybe more fatigued um, he, he could be exposed so if you know that and you know say daniel mingdon is your normal starter but he'll go you know the three or four innings if you know mengden has just three or four innings in him why not start him let him go three or four innings and then use this killer bullpen the last six innings so the relievers are used to going you know the fifth the sixth the seventh and then build from there because using Hendricks, as we found out in the second inning of the first time they bullpened um, it, it, there's just a whole bunch of clutter. I mean, Bankton had no idea when he was going to come into the game. He was up and down, three times in the bullpen, waving that. I mean, he's like Zito to me. He, his routine is very complex. It's not just as simple. I'm going to throw ten pitches and get out there. There's a lot more to it with him. He's a little quirky, like Zito was, and I, I'm not sure he's the right guy to do this. But he certainly showed uh, he, he 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 was very good in the second time they bullpened and uh, you know shut down the Yankees but the first time he lasted no more than two innings and maybe they learned how to do this a little better from the first time and and maybe we're going to see Hendricks just go one inning I asked Bob Melvin before that Tuesday game when when Hendricks was going uh was starting or opening and I said Bob is Hendricks going only one inning based on you know what you guys learned the first time you did this because they let him go the second and then they gave up two runs and he said, yeah, uh, it looks like, you know, you can, it's a good bet that he's just going to go win any. And sure enough, he, he got him one, two, three. And then they, then they, um, you know shut down the the yankees you know until the late inning relievers showed up and and then coughed it up and they lost five to one but that was their only loss in the series and and i I guess they can a learn from this uh now they know now they understand it a little better and uh maybe the the manager and the players will be more on board than they were because that first game was very confusing and they just uh weren't in sync and it cost them a game i think
0: we've my cat has joined us. This is Sugar Ray, who's decided to meow, meow up a storm, storm in the middle of this. So, um, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think that among other things, maybe the other team doesn't quite, can't quite prepare necessarily the same way when you've got the whole opener, which maybe you get a little bit of an edge there. Uh, if you're the home team and you've got somebody else pitching you know, first, and then you, you, you know, it's a clean inning, and then you get your ups, and you can maybe take an early lead. Maybe that's a slight edge. You know, the A's love the, very, even the slightest uh infinitesimal uh type edge. They'll take it, you know, because that they, they look at all those numbers. So I, I kind of like to see how it plays out. You're right, it really is more based on need than anything with Anderson and Mania being out, but the good news to the A's is Anderson should be back on the next road trip, maybe even early on the next road trip uh and uh you know we'll we'll see how they handle the the fifth spot in the rotation from there but if it's once a week uh and it works uh, you know hey that that's great the weirdest thing to me is it's liam hendricks who had completely fallen <laughs> off the map the a's df would yeah. him he turned around picked up a couple miles an hour on his fastball he you know he was hurt earlier in the season so he, he was still working <clears> his way back Uh, but throwing much harder and had been Nashville's best reliever by far for the last month after really the A's had kind of given up on him. So if you would have told me Liam Hendricks was starting some games in September for the A's, Mm -hmm. I would have said you were absolutely insane. But uh, here we are. It's yet another surprising development in 2018 for the A's. Um, uh, Any other topics that sort of – spring to mind with this last few weeks of the season looming.
1: What would you think of the Hall of Fame ceremony at the college That was team? really
0: neat. Yeah, um, you know, I, I love the idea anyway. I, I think it's fantastic that Dave Cavill and, and the rest of the organization have really, uh, in the last two years, embraced the history of the team, which is so rich, so colorful. Uh, but you can't have a, a better uh, in, inaugural class than, than what they brought back, especially with having local guys like Ricky Henderson and Dave Stewart and Dennis Eckersley. I loved the fact that Charlie Finley was included. He really, you know, he was a, something of a controversial figure, uh, obviously, with the, the way he ran the team and uh, the way he you know, sold out all of, all of the, the big big names and ended that dynasty probably a little too early. But, wow, uh, you know, nobody else has had a bigger impact on the, on the franchise than Charlie Finley moving it here. And, uh, you know, those those great teams of the early 70s, you, you can't beat that dynasty. So uh, wonderful. And Reggie Jackson even showed up. I think it, you know, it helps well, if they were playing the Yankees. But with, Reggie does not come to all the, the sort of a reunion events at the Coliseum, and, and it's always nice to see him and, and Raleigh and Catfish Hunter's widow. Uh, really just a, a nice night. Very well done.
1: Yeah. And it, they're, I guess they're forming a committee to decide or, or choose – uh, the next class or two or three, the, the first class might've been somewhat easy. You just look up at those tarps and who are the retired numbers, uh, you know, Ricky and Reggie and catfish and, and Raleigh, um, Eckersley. So it, it was, uh, all those guys plus, plus Finley. Okay. Now what now who's next? And, um, I think, uh, I think the committee, and you might agree with this, that, uh, I, I think they need to do this right. Um, that that 50-year anniversary team i think they uh missed some names on that um and they can't afford to follow this up it's got to be done uh right and uh they need some folks that uh know history more than anybody else and you know two or three guys you might agree you know steve the clubhouse man been there since day one Uh, dave feldman who's been on this podcast would need to be on that committee uh, uh you know mike Selleck, of course who, who who runs the numbers uh, better than anybody and is uh in the pr department and he, go, he goes way back with the organization maybe bruce jenkins who would go back to day one in, in oakland's history uh and he covered the billy ball teams and was around for the la Russa era and I, I would like to see um Dave Stewart and Ricky Henderson be part of that committee yeah, because no, they grew the, up watching. Maybe.
0: All the all the um, honorees will be part of the committee. I've, I've mm-hmm. yeah, No,
1: so. but does that include families like Catfish's families or, uh, family or Finley's family, or just so. uh, just yeah? I don't think okay. so. I
0: think it's the actual inductees.
1: And that I, that that would be good. I, so when when they appoint this committee, it'd be interesting to to see who they pick. Do you have any idea how that's going to work?
0: Uh, I think Cavill sort of hand selecting it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we, we'll we shall see. The the good thing is they will be inducting new members every year. So you don't want huge classes. You want to be able mm-hmm. to you know at some point you kind of start running out of guys. If you want to do this right. You know, to me, just pick a couple of guys every year. Really honor them thoroughly. Uh, You have to think Connie Mack is in the next group. Um... So they will start adding in the the Philadelphia A's greats, uh, which is good because then that means they they will uh, have a longer run of adding people in. But but once it, to me the thing is you don't want to just start throwing in guys who don't belong down the road because you got to in, induct somebody. You got to you know if if eventually they got to start skipping some years or bringing back everybody and and not in uh, all the living members for a year to celebrate with not adding anybody. I I think that's that might be safe because once Hall of fame start getting watered down uh it's that gets a little rough
1: you're right and i think i think they kind of put this together in a hurry uh was just a couple of few weeks ago they sent out a press release and they didn't know exactly what they would give away that day or what this committee would be like or what the future would hold and and uh it turned out very nice um but I, I, I think uh I, I think a, a bigger deal could be made of it next time, whether it's press conferences to or or um maybe doing it early in the season to, to you know, not in the pennant race and and you know, making sure a big crowd is out there. I, I don't know how many people were there when they were speaking. It didn't seem like it was too full at that point. But um yeah, yeah I, I you know, it's it's a learning process and to their credit they wanted to do a lot of stuff in the sixty Uh, year anniversary or 50 year anniversary season and uh, they certainly did but but now they can kind of exhale and and may maybe make a bigger deal of it uh, in future years yeah
0: and if you if it's smaller if it's a two guys per year or you know maybe one you know deceased member and two living guys or something like that then you can really focus like you're you're exactly right if you have a press conference much easier with say two guys so um the the whatever they do i think you know it's all great and the the fact is when they do get a new stadium they will be able to have a physical hall of fame dave cavill's already been so good about finding things from the old Shide park and uh philadelphia athletics memorabilia to put up in the shy park tavern i think that that's going to probably be a pretty great endeavor you know having seen the a's new offices and some of the things that they've Put in there, uh, you know that's going to be a pretty neat museum. Well, John, uh, we will talk again very soon. We always have lots to talk about this season. Uh, I'm sure that that will continue. At some point, we've kicked around the the idea of Yumi and Dave Feldman all sitting down for a a group discussion uh, for a Shea Hay slash uh, (laughs) Feldy Follies. Uh, let's do it yeah that'll be that'll be fun that might have to go for an hour i think so uh, that would be that would be good and we could get his his thoughts on the hall of fame too because you know he's got them Uh, we will talk soon thanks john shea thank you Susan. ace plus is part of the san francisco chronicle podcast network I'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to A's Plus wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by King Kaufman and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, follow me on Twitter at Susan Slessor and get all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.